If you would open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 15. I know a lot of y'all may not have Bibles, but you open your app or eventually it'll be on the screen. Um, having already gone through some of the Father's Day acknowledgments, um, this message, um, and I may repeat myself on this one, um, this message is particularly for those of us fathers who may be waiting. Waiting for what? The child is here. I see him or her. I know the hopes and the dreams that I have. I know the things I want to invest in this child. But I'm still waiting for one thing. If you're me, the one thing that you, and I believe most believers, have in mind for their children is to, for their children themselves to walk with the Lord. And some of us are still waiting for that to happen. I say some of us because I'm one of those people for some of my children. I have five children, blessed with five children. I love them all. Um, and I still, I, today one of them indulged me <laughs> when, when I asked this question. My, my youngest is 19, so uh, when I say indulge me, you'll understand from the question. I said, what do you call me? And she said, Dad. It's been a long time since I have grandchildren. It's been, I have my oldest is seven. It's been a long time since I've just thought like, wow, somebody calls me dad. <laughs> but I remember early on that that was a big deal. And I, I've become used to being called dad. It's just life now, right? Um, but it is something that I should always treasure, especially because um, my dad wasn't as involved as I would have liked for him to be, um, and thank God by his grace, I'm a, a little bit different than him. I learned from him, but, um, but being a father is a privilege, and one of the weights of your believing dad is for your children to know him. One of, the, one of the weights, if you are a person who knows the Lord, is if you have any who don't know him, you want them to know him. And sometimes as you wait, there can be a lack of hope. There are moments when things seem hopeless. Today we're going to look at a parable, the parable of, we call it the parable of the prodigal son. As we'll see, the, while he gets most of the ink, it's not really about the son. It's about the father. And it's not really about that father. It's about the heavenly father. Let's see if you can figure it out as we read through it. Verse 11. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. So he distributed the assets to them because there's an older brother, as you'll see. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a severe famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating but no one would give him anything. 
When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, his, oldest, his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. Son, he said, the father, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is Jesus's third response to the Pharisees and the scribes who levied an accusation against Jesus. They were trying to levy an insult against him. And the insult was this. The insult is found in, in, verse, uh, in verse 2 where it says, um, what, verse 1 says, all the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were complaining, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus goes on to tell them, he responds to them by sharing three parables. And this one, what we've read, is the third of the three. The first um, was of the, we've heard like the, the, the 99 sheep, right? The, the, the sheep, the lost sheep. They're 90, they're 100 sheep, 99 stay with the, the shepherd, one leaves. The shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes and gets the one. And then Jesus says in verse 5, when he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying to them, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. And then Jesus says to help them see what's happening in heaven. I tell you in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Then Jesus talks about a woman who has coins 
and she loses one of them. She, she loses one of the ten. And she sweeps her house and she's looking for it. Imagine looking for keys when you need them, right? <laughs> so, so she's looking all around and she finally uh, finds it. He says in verse 9, uh, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin I lost. Verse 10, he says, again, speaking of heaven, I tell you, in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. And then in our passage, at the end, we see that Jesus does not say what it's like in heaven. He's already told the Pharisees and the scribes what it's like in heaven. He's already shared why they should be rejoicing as well from this parable. But he sort of, he leaves the ball in their court. So, 25, now his older son was in the field. As he came near, he, he heard the music and the dancing. He called one of the servants over, hey, what's going on here? Your brother's back. Um, your father, he's got that, 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 that calf that we were saving for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. He took that out. He killed it. And, and he's celebrating that he has him back safe and sound. But then what does the older brother do? The older brother gets angry. This man welcomes sinners. And he eats with them. How dare you? They're the older brother. This passage is about the older brother and what, and, 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 and what the Pharisees and the scribes are supposed to take away in terms of God's heart for lost people. The older brother distances himself from his, from his younger brother. He calls his younger brother this son of yours, right? He's mindful of what he's. Wow. He's mindful of what he wants rather than what he has. He views himself as having slaved all these years for his father. Remember the younger son's mindset when he finally comes to his senses? How many of my father's hired servants? The, 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 he doesn't even say, man, my brother's back and he's... No, the hired servants have it good in the mind of the younger son. So I think we can, uh, we should, I, I just would naturally think that the older son has it better than the hired servants. But he sees himself as having slaved for his father all these years. That's his mindset. He doesn't realize that the father says, look, man, don't you understand everything I have is yours. It's been available to you. All of this, you, you could have been had a goat if you wanted a goat. You could have celebrated, but he couldn't celebrate because he saw himself as a slave instead of a son. The father, you can see his heart, even in how he addresses the older son. 
in verse 31. We, he doesn't just say, hey, everything I had. He's, he re, son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. Remember up in, when, when, he, when he divided the assets, it didn't say he just gave it to the younger son. He gave it, he distributed it to them. So both had what the younger son said was coming to me. The father says, we had to celebrate, though. We had to rejoice because your brother, this brother of yours, he was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and is found. So Pharisees, when you see the, the, the sinners and the tax collectors coming to me, are you a son or are you a slave? Only they can answer that question, and so it just ends abruptly the way that it does. That's what this passage is about. That's the direct, that's what you're supposed to get from this passage. So hopefully, um, you know, when we look at it, we're trying to be, we're trying not to be the, the older son. Where we are in redemptive history I think our minds go to the people that we want to be saved. The people who are, according to this, described as dead but need to be alive again. The people who are lost but need to be found. So my objective today is to help us to have hope, as I mentioned, while we wait for salvation to be embraced by those that we love. What was it like to be the, the father as he waited? I'm not going to be able to tell you that because scripture doesn't tell us, but I know what it's like to be one who's waiting, and most of us do. I know what it's like to lament the fruit that I see and ask God to do something different. I also know what it's like to be a prodigal as well, and I know the thoughts that go through the mind of a person who knows about God on some level may respect God, but not enough to live for God or embrace him as Lord and Savior. I think there, in, in, in reading a part of a book, I think, especially if you're a parent, if you're a father, or even if you're a sibling who's reached out, if you're someone who's reached out, when people do not come to the Lord in the time frame you think we think they should come to him, we start looking for what, are, what have we done wrong. And, and that's an appropriate, that, that, that's a category. We, we don't want to run from that. But I'll say this, no one is, is perfect. So there's always, there's usually going to be something you could have done different. But you're not God, so you're not going to do everything perfect. But hopefully you can be, we can be faithful. I'm, the people I mainly have in mind are not people who have had a traumatic experience within their, uh, within their you know, within the relationship of the parent-child. 
But people who have a level of faithfulness, consistency, people who at the time, so I'm thinking about grown children or teenage children, did and do the best they can do to represent God to their children. My prayer is that everyone who cares for people who are not currently walking with the Lord would, first of all, experience and encounter Emmanuel, God with us, that we would have confidence that he's with us, that he hasn't left us nor forsaken us as it relates to our waiting, that we would have confidence in the power, in Christ's power to convert and that we would see that there is warrant for an unwavering awareness of our Heavenly Father's willingness to watch over and welcome the wayward. That is my prayer. And I'm not just going to state it out to you. I want to take a moment to pray to the Lord. So would you please join me as I pray right now? Lord, thank you so much for your for the way you welcome. Thank you for what it feels like to be welcomed. Thank you for knowing what it is to feel as the old gospel song says, uh, the burdens of my heart roll away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Spirit. I do ask you that you would please uh, use this time. I pray that you would encourage your people. I pray that those who are not your people, I pray that you would draw them to you today. That this, as your word says, would be the day of salvation and that hearts that would normally be hardened, Lord, that you would soften them, Lord, so that you can once again, uh, Lord God, rejoice in heaven over one who has repented and come to you. So, Father, we ask you that you would please be with us. We ask you that you would please help there to be clarity, help there to be um, uh, just the time, timeliness, uh, Lord. And I, we pray that you would bless impact. Lord, would you please allow me, help me to decrease, and would you increase, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're looking, so we're just going to skim through uh, what, we, what we've read so far. So in the first uh, verse, we see that the father and his two sons are introduced, and that the one son um, in, in verse 2, I think it is, verse 2, verse 2, yes, I'm, I say verse 2, but I mean verse 12, excuse me. Um, in verse 11, rather, um, we see that a man had two sons. Then we see that a younger of him, younger of them, says, Father, give, give me the share that I have coming to me. Now, in, 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 in some focus on this passage from others, say that um, the younger son basically is giving his father a, a death wish because he's supposed, to, he's supposed to get his inheritance when? After his father passes. But he wants his inheritance right now, right? So the father, the father does not withhold. The father distributes not only to the, the younger son, but also to the older son because it says that he gave to them. Okay, so then there's a pause pressed on the father because then the, young, the, the younger son um, 
After he requested his inheritance, he waited a little while, but then he gathered up everything he had and he went to a far place. He was tired of being there with his father and his brother. He went to this far place to live it up, and the Bible says that he squandered his money. So we don't use the word squandered that much, so for those of you who don't, what's squandered? Um, He wasted his money. He was living large. He was like a basketball player who did not have a money manager and is still supporting everybody in the hood while living lavishly himself. At some point in time, it's all going to be gone. I don't care how much money you have. If all you do is spend it, you won't have it. This is what this young man did. I'm sorry. Somebody needs to hear this, so don't be offended. So he's at the club. He's buying drinks for everybody. Hey, what you want? I got you. I got you. Um, he, he's like, oh, you need a new car? I, I got you. The house for his mom. Well, you know, I mean, his mom's. We, we, we're, we're updating this a bit, okay? So, so the house for his mom. And his entourage is set. He squanders his money. He spent everything he had. Oh, and I'm supposed to talk to the, to the prodigals like later, but I'm sorry. I, sometimes I just can't help myself. He squandered everything he had, and then after he squandered everything he had, a severe famine arose. My goodness, sometimes people... People I've seen where people are living high on the hill. Figurative mansion on the hill. And in a moment, not only do they lose everything they have, but they get cut down. Unable to enjoy anything. Ultimately, gone. We all experienced it about a year and a half ago. We're living life, right? And then all of a sudden, everything shuts down. You couldn't control it. I couldn't control it. For a person like me who kind of stayed active during that time, you drive through the streets, it looked like, it looked like the Walking Dead or something. I mean, ghost town. Driving through, man, nobody's, nobody, not even a lot of people. In my neighborhood at one of the 7-Elevens, a lot of people hang out there. Nobody's there. Ride through the park. No one's there. Stores closed at certain times, and that is just, you know, we had the curfew, all, all of that. Things shut down just like that. That doesn't, that, 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 that usually happens in people's life individually, not as a wholesale experience. Right? So people are living, and then something happens. And it's like, hold on, let's stop here. So, for instance, a personal example, my mom called me a couple weeks ago, and she said, uh, yeah, you know, I got a call from my doctor, and he told me uh, I have a tumor. I'm like, huh? Uh, wow, he told you that over the phone? I mean, I, I didn't say this to my mom because I didn't want to tell him, but I'm like, man, he told you that over the phone? But it's like, okay, well, you don't have to, you know, my mom's a godly woman. She was calling to let me know first and foremost to pray, then tell as many people as possible. So I told, you know, the people who are closest to me, I was going to wait until our, her appointment, until I had more information to tell, like, everybody. Um, 
So she said, yeah, you know, I have a, uh, an appointment on Tuesday. No, no, I'm supposed to call him back and schedule an appointment. So she scheduled the appointment. And um, so I went with her. Because, like, when you, if you hear information like that, like, somebody can be talking and you're still back at tumor. Right? So, because I was. And when she told me, she started saying some other stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Mom. Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. I'm still trying to, like, can you help me? What did you just say? Um, so I think that's what she was saying. Yeah, I'm going to go. I need to call him back and ask. Um, so, so we went on Tuesday. In between, whenever she first called me on Tuesday, there's like, okay, Lord, what is care for mom going to look like? Um, you know, how is this going to change our lives? Um, her husband had had a stroke maybe a year ago, um, so she's kind of taking care of him. And um, so it's like, man, Lord, what is this going to look like? And so we, we go to her appointment, and the doctors, I mean, this was, this was, it's funny now, but it wasn't really funny then. He was like, yeah, your, uh, your blood pressure was this and that, and the other, your cholesterol, and your this and that. And he's talking about all this stuff. Like, I'm like, my brother, like, what, what, we're not here for that. Like, what, what, what about the tumor, man? You know, like, tell us something about that. So then she said, like, something about a tumor, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you have a fatty tumor and da 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 And so, um, and then he kept talking like the tumor, that wasn't anything. Well, it's, that's not anything. That's not anything. That's just like a concentrated area of fat gathered together. But all my mom heard was tumor. And, and I think she said, that's what he said. She said he didn't, she said he probably didn't read through my chart before he called me. Um, but, but anyway, the news, that word, stopped everything for a moment. Not everything, we still live, but it's like, okay, how is this going to impact my life? Well, severe famines arise in our lives. And if you're a prodigal, you can be living. We most of us know this. Most of us know if you live long enough, you know, like you can be you can be going along and then tumor or something else. And it's like, no, but it's like you maybe you can't stop it. You don't get the follow up news that, OK, he's talking about a fatty tumor, which that's not a tumor in the in the in the regard of what we think of when we hear that word. This man's life stopped. He took everything he had thinking he was going to be able to live forever the way he wanted to live. He went far away. He squandered all that he had. He was left with nothing. And then after that, the severe famine arises. So then because the famine arises, he has to get a job. So he gets a job with someone, from a citizen from that country. Citizen must not care about whether or not he's, you know, a Jew. Because he has to be a pig farmer. And being a pig is unclean for the Jews, so they're not trying to have anything to do with pigs. I'm glad I'm not Jewish, because I like the ham, that bacon. Um, maybe if I never had it, I wouldn't have missed it, but I've had it, so hey, man. He got so desperate 
that it says that he wanted to eat the, the food that the pigs ate. But then it says to highlight how desperate his situation was, no one gave him anything. Man, you better feed them pigs. People cared more about the pigs than they cared about this man. I'm going to tell you if you don't know, maybe you're experiencing this and just can't get out right now, but the world will chew you up without remorse. That's just the way it is. There's some, there's some people who are, humanly speaking, decent people, but there are probably more people who don't mind using you for their purposes, for their ends, and then discarding you. That's just the reality. So this man is experiencing all of this. Nobody's even trying to give him anything to eat. He has to work with pigs, man. He wants what the pigs are eating. I, I have an uncle who lives in, in southern Maryland, and he has pigs. I don't know what the pods look like, but I just know the stuff that he feeds his pigs. I don't see how you could want that unless you were dying from hunger. Then you would want anything. You'd just be in survival mode, right? But I've never been in survival mode, so I, have, I looked at that and was like, man, let me get away from these pigs. Um, I don't want to throw anything to them. I don't want them to, I don't want anything. So to be in a position where you could possibly want, for me, what any animal would eat would be like, no, that would be kind of, I guess, not to be prideful, but really beneath me. I can't imagine opening up a can of uh, cat food and be like, man, it smells good. Man. <laughs> hey, hey, babe, bring me, can you, hey, can you, buy the, can you bring me a fork? Um, I can't imagine uh, pulling out some kibbles and bits and being like, hey, man, <laughs> oh, yeah, I need to have it. I can't imagine that. But this brother was so dire, his situation was so dire that he desired to eat their food. So finally, his desperation, in his desperation, he comes to his senses and he remembers his father's house. He remembers that the hired servants, they have food to spare. They're living good compared to what I'm living like right now. You know, I'll say this. I remember being this way myself. I told you I was a prodigal. I remember thinking and, and I, I remember thinking that the, 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 I'll call it the favor of God that I could identify in my life. I remember thinking that it would, it would always like be there. And for a time, like it was there. God was patient. But then I remember feeling as though the presence of God for me, being for me, was like leaving. And it didn't leave like... Like, you know, when his glory departed the temple, but it was subtle and it was like questions would come to my mind. What are you doing right now? I might be like. Man, I'm not supposed to be having that thought right now. That's this is not the place for that. Or maybe I'm doing something else or I'm planning to do something else and, and God would intrude and try to stop me, remind me. But I remember stiff arming so I could go to my far country. And I do remember one day thinking like, man, 
How did I end up right here? Why am I right here right now? Well, it was because I was stiff-arming. And for me, I remember thinking like, man, I, I should really, I should, you know, man, I should. I remember a conversation, conversations like the one he had with himself remembering. And then he didn't just remember, but he made plans to return. And I remember trying to make plans like, okay, I need, I need, to, I need to get right. And then it was like, you know what? By then I was, had been listening to the enemy so much. It was like, man, the Lord, he's not going to receive you back. You can, there, there's no way somebody like you is going to be able to just come back. Like you've known, you've done wrong, and you knew about God. But I'm so glad that God lets us know in Isaiah 55 that our thoughts, that they're not like his. Um, as a matter of fact, this is what it says in verse 8. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Um, but before that, before that, usually when we think, we just say, okay, well, like, we don't think like God. But it's not just that we don't think like God. Look at, well, I don't know if you can look because I don't know if I gave this passage. I think I did. But um, it, it says in verse 6, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near, near, near. Excuse me. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord so he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. Then verse 8 happens. For my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. See, I might want to take vengeance on you for treating me like that if I were God, but I'm so glad I'm not God and that God, if we seek him, if we come to him, he wants to have compassion compassion on us, he will not hold it against us. He will not treat us, Psalms, as our sins deserve. That's how God is. But see, my mind was so far gone, I couldn't, I had been stiff-arming God so long, I, I couldn't identify his voice. But this prodigal, he makes plans, and then he executes his plans. Making plans aren't good enough. At some point, you got to pull the trigger. You got to follow through. So in verse 20, lets us know he went to the house. Verse 20 also lets us know that the father saw him. Some translations say like, while he was far away. The father, as we just read about God, he was filled with compassion. And he didn't just let that compassion stay within him, but it, again, it moved him to do something. And so what did he do? He ran to his son. He threw his arms around his son and around his neck, and he kissed his son. The father did not focus on, 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 the, on, on the fact that the son should have been there all the time. He didn't focus on how long it took the son to get there, but he focused on the fact that the son was there. If there was ever a time where it's better late than never, it's with the Lord. 
Though you be delayed, please do not let your delay be never. Because we just read what God's heart is. God's heart is to to receive you. And for those of us who are waiting, our hope, as we'll see in a little bit, our hope should be in God. This parable lets us know a little bit about God's, God's character, right? Remember, they're complaining, why? Sinners. Like he welcomes them. And, oh my goodness, he eats with them. So it's not a denial. He doesn't say, no, no, you're misunderstanding God. You're misunderstanding me. No, instead it's like, let me tell you what it's like in heaven. Sheep, coin, son. The father runs to meet his son. The father, verses 22 through 24, authorized, organized, and participated in. He didn't just put it in motion. He participated in the celebration that his son, in his mind, who was dead, was now alive. The one who was lost is now here. In light of the actions of the Father, I would like to encourage those of us who are waiting to remember to trust our Heavenly Father, to not act out of fear, but out of faith, and to to be faithful, not flashy or fleshly. See, There's only one father who is flawless, and that's the Heavenly Father. So, yes, we may be aware of things we might do differently, but let us strive to be faithful even though we're not flawless. And if we're the first step of being faithful is to trust God for who he's given us. See, I remember before Kenesha, Michelle, Charisma, Angelo, and Nani came along. It was just me. I remember life before that. They don't remember that, life before me, right? But I do. So I know that God is the one who gave them to me. And this is just my mosaic that I work with. The mosaic I work with is that, you know what? God didn't give me any of those children. Because regardless of how old they get, they're still my child. Just like I'm 52, but I'm still Joyce Chandler's child. I'm her oldest son. Always going to be that. I don't believe that God gave them to me for nothing. And for me, as you heard earlier, the greatest thing that I could ever give my children is a knowledge of, of the Lord. Now, what they do with it, it's up to them. How they handle that, that's on them, especially when they get to be the ages that they are now. And I'll talk a little bit about, I think I'll talk a little bit about that, if I remember, um, when we talk about being faithful, not fleshly. Because there are some fleshly things you can do to kind of keep your kids in a certain way, but it's, I don't think it's godly. So in trusting God, we need to remember what the ingredients of salvation are. 
Um, God, obviously, uh, he, he, he pursues, you know, he pursues people by allowing them to hear the message about him. But a person has to respond to God and they need grace to respond from him. The right timing is involved. Paul talked about how God in due season and due time, God revealed um, his son to him, to Paul. And that happens with us all. But let's just remember, remember these things about God. Remember, and I'm not, I'm not going to elaborate. I think the passages will, they will speak for themselves. 2 Peter 2, 8, um, excuse me, 3, 2 Peter 3, verses 8 and 9. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Verse 9 is the key for what we're talking about. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delaying, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. First Timothy 2, verse 4 talks about how God wants everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So since we are those who've been drawn by God to him, since we've experienced what that's like, since I remember, I've shared with you some of my thoughts as a prodigal, since I remember that, and I know the things I just read from scripture about God, then my trust in him it's going to be, Lord, I know you didn't give them. So these are some, some of my prayers. right? I know you didn't give me my children for nothing. And I know you're the one who gave me a heart that would desire for them to have a heart for you. So, Lord, would you do it in light of who you are and in light of how I've experienced you? I've tasted and seen that you are good. You could have put them in any family you wanted to put them in, but you put them in mine. And so I know I can trust you with them even when it's hard. And sometimes it gets hard. That's why we're talking about hope while we wait. So we have to have confidence or faith in God. We must act out of faith and not fear. Act out of faith and not fear. And, and I think it's here that I'll, that I'll mention this. Like, like I alluded to moments ago, there are things that we can do to manipulate our children to do certain things. But would that really be faith? If, if, if it's not about doing what I say do, and it's about doing what he says do, then I need to act out of faith and not fear. And I think one of the one of the one of the keys to that is to just be faithful. I was just thinking the other day. Um, I, I was just thinking about how how water is soft, right? It's just, you know, if usually when you come in contact with water, like you're not, it, it's not, it doesn't hurt you. But when it comes with a certain amount of power, it can, it can do, like, some damage. It can have effect. Because I don't want to say damage because of what we're talking about. But it, it can have effect. It can move you. It can move something else. It can shape uh, you. It can, it, not you, but it can shape uh, uh, terrain. It can shape, it can, it can erode um, things. I think 
that cons- consistently consistency helps there to be an accumulation of the knowledge of God that moves people similar to like uh, you know like the like the servant who went to look for uh, Rebecca. That's Isaac's wife. So when he was going to look for for Rebecca, um, he didn't know that's what he was looking for. But when he was looking for a wife for Isaac, at some point in time, the servant the servant, the servant prayed, and he prayed not to his own God, whoever that may have been. He started off his prayer. He said, Lord, God of my master Abraham, make this happen for me today and show kindness to my master Abraham. And then he goes on and he continues his, his prayer. But may we live in such a way that that, 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 that our, our children, our grandchildren, those around us, your siblings, your loved ones, whoever they are that's not walking with the Lord, may it be so that when their time of need comes, when their severe famine hits them, that even if they've not been walking with the Lord on their own, that they would throw themselves on his mercy. And even if they have to say, Lord God, my father told me about you. Or Lord God, my sister mentioned, or God of my mom, would you, may we live in such a way that they know that's who we look to. That's who you, Psalm 139, cannot escape. Wherever you go, he's always there. That's that's who I serve. So wherever you are, no matter where that distant country is, like he is everywhere present, always. So you can call on him. You can ignore him. And you can just deal with the severe famine or you can humble yourself and you can call out to him. May we have faith that 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 at the time at the at the appointed time that God will reveal himself with clarity. To those we wait for so that our confidence is not in their actions, but it's in God whose purposes cannot be thwarted or stopped at all. At all. You know how Allen Iverson, if you do basketball, if you don't, you don't know. Sorry about that. But for those who do, who was like, man, we talking about practice. Man, we talking about God. That's my mindset. Like, we talking about God. This is, this is my, I'm t- so it doesn't, for me, this is me. It doesn't matter what my children do in terms of like my confidence that they will be saved. It doesn't matter what they say. My confidence is such that my prayer is, Lord, would you allow me to see? Would you allow me to see? Would you allow me to experience walking with you with them? So that they're not just my offspring, my son or my daughter, but they're also my brother, my sister. Lord, would you, you don't have to, because I'm praying for their salvation, but this would be nice. And see, the example of my mom is critical here for me. Having had a front row seat of her and my stepdad who wasn't saved and seeing them not walk with the Lord together for a while 
him not being saved, she got saved before him, and to see what their marriage was like, and then to see the few years, it was just a little, maybe like three years, that was just so sweet to behold them walking together in the Lord. It's like, Lord, I want that with my kids. Now, whether you give it to me, that's up to you. But again, this is the mosaic I'm working with. I don't believe you're giving them to me for nothing. You know that you are the most important thing to me. You could have placed them in somebody's household that does not, doesn't care about you, but you didn't. You gave them to me. And he gave them to Karen. So, I know at some point, whether they know it or not, that they're going to be in situations. Why do I know that? Because I was too. I was too. I remember the Lord pursuing. Pursuing. You stiff on me? So what? I'm coming back. You think you can outrun me? Nah. No, remember that? I, well, some of you might be too young to remember that, but I remember there was this play, this woman named Nell Carter. I think she was the, uh, the, the, the star of it, called Your Arms Too Short to Box with God. So like you want, you, you boxing, but, but like you, you 5'10". And he eight foot, what, he's taller, you know, he's not tall, but you know what I mean, like. I've already mentioned this, and I probably mixed it, so, hey, forgive me for that. But when I say be faithful, not flashy, um, what I'm talking about is, I've seen parents, not, not, I don't think I've seen parents in, in here do it, but I, I've had experience with parents who, um, you know, they're all about events, but they're not, not necessarily consistent with other things in terms of just, just lifestyle. Um, so, um, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to not, okay, I'll say this, I'll say this. Yeah. So, 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 so let me, let me, um, this actually goes, I'm going to scratch out the last point if you were taking it down. Be faithful, not flashy. So, sorry, you see me doing sermon editing right, in, right before your eyes. Um, but, um, ah, okay, all right. No, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. I told you, right before your eyes, that's how it be sometimes. When I talk about being faithful, not fleshly, what I mean is do not, do not put more weight in your efforts than you should. If we're talking about salvation, there's only one who saves. There, there are things we can do to assist. We can, you know, talk about them, right? But I will, I will, I will say this. You know, based on how I grew up, based on how what I wanted my family to be, there were decisions, pretty radical decisions that I made in terms of raising my children that I wonder, I don't think there's proof for me at this time, but I wonder whether or not I trusted a formula rather than my heavenly father. 
I definitely tried to make sure that they could be exposed to the world through a loving context that would shield you from knowing too much too soon or being exposed to something improperly. So we decided, one of the things we decided was that we would homeschool. That, was, that wasn't an educational decision. That was like a discipleship decision in my mind. So we did. But only God saves. Obviously, my children knew we go to church every Sunday. But only God saves. We're going to discuss the Bible at this dinner table, even to the point where you're like, man, why we always got to do that? But only God saves. So formulas do not save, but our heavenly father is the one who saves. So I know with the, with the, with the generation of parents that I'm, I'm overhearing, I'm not really interacting, but I'm overhearing, like there's a lot of, of reading and everybody wants, every parent in the world that I know Ah, I'm going to bring that back. No, 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 no. The parents in this church want to do their best. Their children are not a burden to them. So they may read something. They may ask questions. And those, hey, look, do that. Please do that. But remember that only God saves. Remember that there's no formula. There's, no, there's always something to learn, but there's no equation that this plus this equals that. Not when it comes to the Lord. Not when it comes to him. There are principles that we should grab hold of and see like, oh, this is the way God usually moves. Yes, but God can do what he wants when he wants to do it and how he wants to do it. So I would say these things, I would say these, this, if you, especially if you're a parent or if you're anybody who is waiting and you want to wait with hope and you want to assist, you want to be a co-laborer with God in the life of your loved one, I would say, first of all, let them know you love them. Make sure that your love is never questioned. It doesn't mean you agree with everything they do. There are ways you can say whatever you need to say, but please let them know that there's still love. My children can tell you for me, I will say, there's nothing you can do that's going to change my love for you. However, there are things you can do that can make me not proud of you. Those aren't the same. They aren't the same. No, I'm, I'm, I can't help but love you the way, I'm, the way I am. I, I can't help that. But I may not always ride with your actions. I may not always be able to support those. But I, I, I love you. And do not... I, I love the book of Proverbs, and I love the fact that the, 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 the writer always tells his son like to listen to me. Do not stop instructing your children. You may have to change your tone a little bit, but 
You tell them what's right and wrong till you're gone. Yeah. You can't demand that they respond to you. You can't demand that they incorporate what you, but you can, my, one of my sayings is, I'm just going on the record. This is just your dad's voice right here. I'm to hear it. When, when I'm gone, that voice might still be in there. When I'm gone, here's for the record, this is what your father thinks. So I would say also with, don't just engage with love, but engage with conviction as well. Just make sure your conviction is respectful. If, you know, just make sure it's, it's respectful. Make sure that you are going one step at a time. You cannot look at someone's life and see the train coming and like they're moving in the same direction. All you can do is just try to, hey, hey, look, the train's coming. But you can't like stop, you can't stop the train. You can't build all the, you, you can't build that little track that takes you on it. No, but you can tell them like, hey, look, something's coming. But you're going to have to tell them, you're pro- you know, more than likely, it's going to have to be one step at a time and then Always, always, always pray. Pray. That's the, that's the most important thing in my because you cannot change grown people. My, my wife can't change me. I can't change her. We can't change our grown kids. Our grown kids can't change us. You, but we can pray because God knows how to change every category I just listed like it's nothing. Let your every prayer Well, I'm going to say this. I want to qualify what I'm about to say because hopefully what I'm about to say is, is, is very encouraging. But what I'm about to say should be processed through the reality, I believe, a reality that until your loved ones are saved, that there is a level of lament with every prayer that you would rather not have to pray this prayer right here. So it's not just pray like this and like you're like, just have all this faith. Yeah. But your faith is going to be informed by lament as well as what God is able to do. Because if you're a person like me and you've, Lord, we tried this, we did this, we did this in faith, we did that, we did, we did the other, we did boom. You know what, you know what lets me know, I didn't say this, what lets me know that whether or not my actions are fleshly is my response where my actions don't have the effect I thought they would have. So it's like, oh, I'll do this. And then it doesn't work, and I'm like, Lord, man, why did it work? Rather than, Lord, that don't look like it worked, please use it. And please continue to deal with this child of mine, friend of mine, relative of mine, as you dealt with me. So lament is appropriate. And actually, if there's no lament, I would wonder what's wrong or if you really cared. But I'm not God, so I don't have to worry. I don't know about your prayers, so. You know, that's, you don't have to worry about me. But along with our lament, and may our lament even contribute to um, a, a tenacious, gritty faith that will wrestle 
like Jacob for the salvation of our dearly loved ones. And when the, the answer that we're looking for tarries, when it does not come, when it is delayed, may we fast like Daniel, who the response to his prayer was delayed for a while, and he just humbled himself even more, and he fasted as well as he continued to pray. And even our Lord in the garden, he prayed and he persevered in prayer so that he embraced the will of the Father for his life. May we intercede like Abraham did for Lot. And he didn't say, Lord, bless Lot, help Lot protect. He didn't see, he didn't have to come with everything well wrapped. He came, Lord, won't you do this? Lord, won't you do that? Okay, let me ask you. You remember how he came? He didn't even mention Lot's name, but God still answered his prayer. We do not have to have it all together when we come to God in prayer. He understands us, so our lament may be like it may feel like a downer to us, but God knows how to process where we are. And God knows how to deliver those we love, even as God did deliver Lot who had no idea what God was doing, but yet God knew who Lot was and Lot was spared. We don't know if he would have been spared if it had not been for the conversation between God and, and Abraham. But what we should learn from that is that we also should be intercessors for those that we love who are not yet walking with the Lord. We don't have to have it all together. And we don't have it all together. So just remember, lastly, to maintain a sense of urgency. And I think that's what, that's what provokes lament. Now to the prodigals, Remember I said I was a prodigal. We've already spoken about how he, the son squandered all he had. The son actually positioned himself to demean himself by wanting to eat what the pigs were eating. But eventually the son humbled himself. The consequences of his Actions caught up with him and he said, you know what? In light of what it's like for the highest servants at my father's house, I'll renounce my sonship as I kind of already have. And I'll just like, I'll, I'll see if he'll hire me. I'll just ask him to hire me. I'll acknowledge before God that, you know what? I've sinned against you. But remember what we said about God. God's not like human, human beings in that like when you turn around to like acknowledge God and to start walking with him, he's going to be like, nah, man, forgive me. You stiffed on me. Now I'm stiff on you. That's not God. God will forgive. And so God in, in, in that also in that book of, of, of Isaiah, it says in the first chapter, it says that you're like, come now, let's reason together. So God wants to invite you into a conversation with him about your relationship with him. In the, in the New Testament, it says, do not harden your heart if you hear his voice. Hopefully somebody out there or in here, somebody somewhere is tired of living in a place where there's, there's a severe famine in their life. 
where they just, the, the, the plans that they had, they just, they just fall apart. And every time it looks like they're about to get some traction, then something else happens. Well, maybe that's God trying to let you know that I'm not going to let you progress any further without me. And I've already given you, me, in the form of my son. And no, that doesn't cause every trial to be erased, but it does inform how we engage those trials. And it does inform, it does inform like, 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 it does inform like how we feel when we go through trials. I've seen people that I know are, are, are going through rough situations um, in, in our church, and I've seen them worship God. Out of an awareness that he is with them despite their trials. And they're so grateful that he is with them, period. This is what God says. This is what God says in Revelation 3. He's talking to a church that is lukewarm. Not, not an individual, a church. He's talking to a church that thought they were rich, but he says they're spiritually impoverished. They're spiritually naked. They're spiritually wretched. They're blind spiritually. But he says in verse 20, see, well, no, this is 19. Let's do 2019. It says, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. In other words, the Lord stands with open arms to receive those who would come to him in repentance. Remember what I said about me? I thought there was thought going through my mind like, man, you've been you've done too much. No, 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 no. This individual it was set up so that it would look like there's no way the father would ever receive this boy back but what does he do he sees him he runs he hugs him and then he throws he puts a, he does all these other things and he has a party for him that's God's disposition toward us right now in the age of what I call the age of reconciliation when he comes back that's going to be the age of retribution People are going to get what they deserve. But this is the age of reconciliation where God will say, yes, I know you sinned. I cannot approve of that, but I can save you and I cannot count your sins against you. Do you want that? Like the Pharisees and the scribes, the ball is in our court with that. See, election, we talked about election, but that, that's sort of like, I remember one of my uh, pastor's college professors was like, you know what? Election is like the family secret. We don't, I don't apply election to other people. Election is mentioned to God's people, Right? Predestined is mentioned to us, to comfort us, to remind us, and to give us confidence to do the things that we need to do in the Lord. 
Whether or not someone else is, it's already been mentioned by Pastor Kurt. I mean, we don't, we don't know that. But I know I will never act like someone is not elect. Um, in ter- I, I know that won't stop me. Excuse me. Let me say it this way. I will not stop preaching the gospel because someone might not be elect. That scripture doesn't tell us to do that. Right? Doesn't tell us to do that. There are many more scriptures that let us know about God's response to people who respond to him. Romans 10, 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're somewhere today, if you're in here today and you don't you don't know the Lord, but you know you need to call out to him. This is all you need to do. The, 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 the son provides us with something. He repents to heaven. I've sinned against heaven and against you. He doesn't even address his dad first, even in his mind. It's like, first of all, I'm wrong before God. So to the degree that you're wrong before God, acknowledge you're wrong before God. And know that God will forgive you for it all. And then acknowledge that you know that Jesus is his son who died for your sins. So that you could be justified before God. And then ask the Lord to fill you with his spirit. And then if you're not part of a church, if you're not in here, you're out there. um, You need to find a church. Babies don't just get born and then like people be like, all right, man, we good and leave. No, no, no. Right. They need to be fed. They need to be nurtured. They need to be taught. Same with baby Christians. Same with baby Christians. And of course, you have to renounce the things that you know are wrong. And you know what? You'll you'll fail sometimes. But the Bible lets us know that God is merciful, even to the point where he says that, you know, if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So is today the day of salvation for you? Yes, it is. If you've heard this. Will you harden your heart? I'm not sure. Only you can answer that. Let's pray. Father, we do come boldly before your throne of grace. And we do ask you that you would please, uh, especially for those who, who we're waiting for, <laughs> those who have not walked with you, those who do not seem to know you, we do ask you that you will please let this be the day of salvation for them. We pray that you would allow them to come to themselves. We pray that you, by your spirit, would speak to these individuals, Lord, regardless of whether they're here or whether they're watching on, on, on live stream or watching later than, than, we're, than we are live. We ask you, Lord, that you would please Help them to humble themselves, to acknowledge their sin, to acknowledge Jesus Christ who gives eternal life, to renounce things they know are wrong, to get into a fellowship that will help them to grow and to walk their life out. 
in obedience to you. Have mercy, Lord. Lord, bless those of us who are on the porch or looking out the window or whatever we're doing, waiting for the return. Lord, I pray that everyone who is would be encouraged in you and by you and that there would be the utmost confidence in you. We trust you and not formulas. We ask you to help us to stave off fear and to operate in faith. And we pray that you would help us to not act out of flesh as well, Lord. We ask you to move. No manipulation, Lord. Just here's what it is. And Lord, may our loved ones hear your voice and respond to what it is by laying down their lives of living for themselves and embracing one that lives for you. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. So uh, Jasmine has a few announcements. If, um, if there are any questions, I'll take a couple before we sing one last song for, uh, to bless our dads. Um, and then we'll go from there. So. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are watching and are present here today. Um, also, for those that are attending Sunday service, sign-ups are still required. We want to be responsible to contact Trace. So a lot of you did not register today. If you're a member or have been here regularly, luckily I was able to put your information in. But if this is your first time here, please download our church center app and search for Solid Rock Church and there's still time to put your information in so we can contact Trace. So thank you for being here today. Members, we have D groups this week, Wednesday the 23rd via Zoom, or if y'all are meeting in person, you know, praise God. You can log in at 7 o'clock. We'll begin at 7.30. <clears throat> this Friday as well, we have our first round of vaccination. So if you have not been vaccinated yet, you can, again, sign up on our Church Center app um, to, to sign up to get vaccinated. And if you would like to volunteer, there's another slot on there to do so. And on Monday, the 28th at... Mike, is it 6.30 or 7? It's, it's two, six, six thirty is the English, seven forty-five is the Spanish. All right. So we have our Greater Riverdale Thrives um, Coalition meeting here for Money Mondays, that is put on by BNT and SunTrust Bank now Truist. They're giving you some information for economic empowerment. So we will be hosting that here. You can again sign up if you would like to get that information. That's open to all visitors and members. And then next month, we will begin our month-long youth science program. That'll be from July 6th to the 29th, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. For from 3rd to 8th graders, that'll be Tuesdays and Thursdays. So if you have a child that you would like to sign up for that, there is um, an event page. Sign up for that so uh, you can put your child's information in. 
and we will be having a meeting, a required meeting for parents um, before that. So now we will move over to Q&A. The first question is, when the prodigal son comes to his senses in verse 17, how do we know the conversation is genuine and not just the prodigal son talking a good game to get food and shelter, etc., again from his father? Yeah, I don't think we know. It doesn't, <clears throat> it doesn't say that. However, I think the context does, um, because of what was stated before in terms of the lost sheep, the lost coin, uh, I think we, it's implied that it was, it was genuine. But when it comes to our own interactions with prodigals, and <laughs> I think you just have to know people. You have to you have to know them. Like, is this a move that because that because that move could be one that's like you know okay that's that was the breaking point for that for that for me okay we're talking about children I know them very well right um, before they could talk I had to judge expressions and say okay something's wrong so I know them very well so okay would this be a move that that person would make to manipulate me <laughs> into allowing them like back in my home just because they need something. Uh, I mean, you would have to know the person to be able to answer that accurately. Um, and um, so I think then, like, if I'm thinking, then the question becomes, so, you know, for me, it would be like, so would I not allow them to get some of those things if, if they weren't, you know, walking with the Lord? And I'd be like, well, if they're my child, they would have to do something real wild for me not to allow them food and shelter. Like they would have to like maybe try to kill me or something like something something crazy like that. You know, something where I fear for my life. But like I would give I would give my neighbor food, right? I don't know that I would shelter my neighbor if I didn't know them well, but um but I mean I would have to think about it just as a Christian, right? I mean I would have to think about it based on James, what James says. So I would go out of my way to 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 be kind in any Reaction. Um, I would. I wouldn't second guess any reactions because you know what time usually tells. Thank you. The next question is: Do you have any thoughts on raising and teaching children and youth in the midst of all the things going on in our culture, like trans, the transgender and LGBTQ plus movement? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm a big. Uh, <clears throat> There are a couple of things, I don't know, I hope this isn't just generational, but um, but yeah, I guess, so this comes to my mind, just to knock out the generational, it's, you know, in, in Ephesians 4, where it talks about how God's people, we're supposed to speak the truth in love, so I think it's truth and love. So I think, again, like I said earlier, love doesn't always have to look like I approve of what you're doing. It doesn't uh, have to have no boundaries at all. Um, so, um, so now we're not even. We're talk, if we're talking about, so that's with my child. If we're talking about like these issues, first there's the truth. What is the truth? What does God's word say? Um, what does an understanding of um, what the actions that the culture is embracing um, do they embrace? Does that embrace? 
any aspect of what God tells humanity to do, or does it like does it buckle up against it? If it buckles up against it, then I have to let my child know that you know, uh, you know, obviously with some with some tact, because they're gonna have to. This is the world in which we live, right? Um, so um, I'm gonna have to definitely tell them the truth. I'm gonna have to help them to be willing to. Um, you know, be able to articulate their truth um, in a way that does not, uh, that do, that's not venomous, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it won't be taken to be venomous. So that I'd have to prepare them that people, a lot of times, want you to ride with them with the things that they do and that that's not always possible. So God's word and his truth has to be the first and foremost. And if you're living for that, then that has to be first and foremost. And then there's also like people are made in God's image, regardless of what they do to themselves. So on some level, like you have to, you know, uh, respect that they have that right. They had a right to do whatever they want. They, whoever they are, whoever it is. Not just with that issue, but there, there, there's a lot of other issues out here where people have the right to do what they want. Um, and so it's not that your disagreement does not mean you are damning anyone because we don't have the power to do that, right? We don't, we, that power doesn't rest with us. So based on what we know, we see things that are either embracing God's will or not, um, and people who don't embrace God's will are all around us, right? So we don't have to be hateful, but we don't have to, Cosine either. I'm sorry. I hope the slang doesn't mess up the uh, the answer. But um, but yeah. So I think we speak the truth in love, and we be loving. I think we don't. You know. Um, yeah, I think that's the, that's the best I can do with that. Is speak the truth in love, and not be, and not be cowardly. You know, not not hide our dis our disagreement if if it's something we disagree on. But to be careful to care for the persons. Or people that we're interacting with because they are people we're interacting with. So, this is the last question. Right. Um, you mentioned in this passage that the prodigal son was fighting against being a slave instead of a son. Um, and it sounds like you meant. You you said don't be a slave to God the Father specifically. Is how mm. it seemed interpreted. Mm. In the various epistles, though, we see the writers speaking about being a slave to Jesus Christ. Mm. What would you say are the differences in the mindset between seeing yourself as a slave, like the son, a slave to God the Father versus being a slave to Christ, Jesus Christ? Between being a slave to the Father and a slave to the Son? Yeah, is there a difference since you pointed no. out that he specifically mm -hmm. shouldn't be one? Right, yeah, the, uh, I don't remember exactly how I, uh, I'd have to go back and listen to see what I actually said, but what was supposed to be conveyed there was that the older son saw himself as a slave rather than, so not the prodigal, but the older son, even though he had all the benefits of being with the father, his mindset was like a slave, like he was a, a, a mere servant. Um, so, uh, so, so, um, so not if I heard the question correctly, it sounded like you were talking about the prodigal. When I don't think he had that mindset, um, because a prodigal had the proper mindset that I think 
um, we should have as slaves of the Lord, you know, Father, Son, that they're, yeah, they're together. So as a slave to um, our Heavenly Father and the Lord, the difference is, <clears throat> as Kurt mentioned, I think it was two messages ago, we don't deserve anything from the Father. What we deserve from the Father is wrath because we're born in sin and we're shaped in iniquity. There's not, you know, Romans 3, you know, when you look at humanity, ultimately, um, the seed of every evil that we see is within us all when we're, when we're this in all of us. So it's not like we deserve to be something more than a servant. It's not even like we deserve to be a servant, right? Um, and so when Paul talks about being a slave to Christ, I think he has the... Um, the, the, the mindset of uh, Romans 8, uh, I think it's 14, where it talks about how we're indebted, but we're not indebted to the flesh, right? Uh, wrong, wrong, wrong. Uh, we're indebted, but we're not indebted to the flesh. Um, I'm pulling that up just to make sure. No, not 14. Okay, it's 12. So then, brothers and sisters, uh, Romans 8, 12, uh, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you, by the Spirit, um, put to, to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Um, and then it says, for all those led by, the, by God's Spirit are sons of God. We're sons of God. But yet Paul does refer to himself as a slave of Christ because he's Christ's servant and he desires to do whatever Christ calls him to do. So being a servant or a slave of Christ is like my, the, the, the Bible I read on my own is the New King James. So, so that uses the word slave. So being a slave of Christ is, a, is an honor. It's not demeaning. So being his slave is, is a voluntary thing. It's the 24 elders casting their crowns at his feet because when it comes to being compared to him, we're not worthy to be compared. And when, it, when we look at what, who we are apart from him and who he is, then like there's no, that's why people lose strength. That's why they can't stay, they have to fall. So no, they're received. And even to be received as a slave of Christ is an honor for those who properly understand who they are versus who he is. Um, and so I think the mindset of that mindset is like, yes, thank you. That I'm, because Romans 6, we're going to be a slave to something. We're going to be a slave to sin or we're going to be a slave to righteousness. So if we're a slave to Christ, Joyce, you can come up now. If you're a slave to Christ, that is a great, great, great thing. Just want to do one more, one song to encourage the dads in particular. And if you are, um, if you are around your dad, make sure you let him know you love him. Wish him a happy Father's Day. We're not getting a lot of affirmation from the culture, but that's all right. The Lord himself gives us affirmation and he lets us know that he's a heavenly father that we can depend on. Remember that as we sing this song.
Sunday.